I enjoy listening to podcasts. If you're not familiar, a podcast is a recorded show, much like a radio show, but with a podcast, you can listen to it later. You can download it to your computer, to your phone, or to your other device. One of the things I like about this is that I can speed them up a little bit. So the podcast app or the player that I have on my phone allows me to listen to it at a faster than normal speed. I can set it to 1.1 or 1.2 or even typically about 1.5 times the normal speed. And I found that even listening to it at that speed, I can understand what the people are saying. Now, sometimes for particular topics, I have to slow it back down and listen at normal speed. But many times I can listen to it at about 1.5 and still get the full content of what's being said. And I like this because I can listen to more, I can hear more things in a shorter period of time. I was thinking about that as I was preparing for the message this week, thinking about how I have a lot of material. There's a lot going on in the passage we're going to be looking at today. I thought, well, maybe what I could do was record this message and then speed it up to about 1.5 times its normal speed. That would allow me to say a lot more and still keep it to the normal 20 to 25 minutes, which I normally use. But I also know that many of you think that I already talk a little too fast, and I do talk a little too fast anyhow. So we're going to do this at normal speed. But I was also thinking about it because James talks about being quick to listen. And I just thought about listening quick and quick to listen and really doesn't have much to do with the passage, but it was just something that came to mind as I was doing it. But let's go ahead and see what James has to say to us today. But let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you have given it to us to help us to grow and to know you more. God, as we hear your word, may you change and transform it. May it take root inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are doing a series on the book of James. What do we know about the book of James? Well, we know that it's in the New Testament. We know it's near the end of the New Testament. James, most scholars believe, is probably the ha- James, the half-brother of Jesus, which means this James that wrote the book, wrote this letter that we're studying, grew up around Jesus. They played together. They heard the same stories. They knew the same people. James was not one of the 12 disciples, but James was a leader in the early church. The letter to James was written shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Perhaps the oldest, the first of the books in the New Testament, maybe written 20 years or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus. As you go through the book of James, you find it sounds a lot like maybe the book of Proverbs. So if you like the book of Proverbs, you're going to like the book of James. It's filled with pithy little sayings and what people would refer to as wisdom. In fact, wisdom is one of the three main themes in the book of James. He deals with the issues of trials, with wisdom, and also with poverty versus riches. It's kind of three main themes that he deals with. One of the challenges to the book of James is that Proverbs-type writing that he uses because it tends to be very much about, here are the things that you need to do. And so there's a temptation as we're reading the book of James 
to turn it into moralism, to turn it into the things we need to do. It's a temptation for me as I'm reading and preparing to share with you about it, to make it simply about things we need to do. And that moves us away from what the gospel, the good news of Jesus is all about, that it's about what God has done for us. It's not about us pleasing God, but it's about living this holy life. And one of the helpful ways that I think about it is a phrase that I like is that the gospel, the good news, is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. And so sometimes with the book of James, as we read it, we might be tempted to think we're earning favor with God. And in fact, that's why some early Christian leaders didn't want the book of James in there because they felt it focused too much on doing good things and not enough about the grace of Jesus. So as we read through these things, and as you read it, maybe on your own at home, I would encourage you to remember the grace of Jesus as you're reading through this. So we're going to be starting today in verse 19. But let's review briefly the beginning of the letter. In the beginning of the letter, James has talked and introduced the idea of trials, which will be, again, as I said, one of the themes that's in the book of James. And he talked about trials as a joy because the trials, when we go through trials, they produce character in us. They can help us become more like Jesus. And that's really the goal of what we're talking about even today is how do we live a life that looks more like Jesus? Because Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, but he sent the Spirit also to help us to grow and to live to be a certain kind of people. And so in this beginning of the book of James, he talks about how we perceive, how we view, how we have a perspective on the trials and challenges in life and how we can see them as joy because trials and challenges can be an opportunity for us to grow, to trust in God and to have our faith grown. But James also says trials can be a temptation. Those challenges can become a temptation when we turn the wrong way and we don't see them as an opportunity for growth, but instead they become a means where we turn away from God. And so we have all that in the background when we come to our passage for today. When he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And so he starts off again with this phrase, my dear brothers and sisters, which he has used also a little bit earlier. And so we see when James says this, that the people he's talking to, he has a deep affection for. This isn't a theological treatise. It's not a pulpit-pounding tirade. What James is doing here is a letter that is caring for people. It's a letter written out of compassion and desire to reach them. My dear brothers and sisters, he says to them. What does he invite them to do? He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so here we hear these words, and that's what I said earlier, how James is very much that Proverbs-like book. This is simply one of those proverbial sayings where you could hear this or see this anywhere. It's not something that necessarily would be unique to the Bible. It's very well possible that other ancient writers would have seen this. You might even imagine in modern days going into a shop with little plaques and, and coffee mugs and seeing something like this about the importance and the value of listening. And it wouldn't necessarily be attached to anything related to the teachings or the life and work of Jesus. 
but it's a helpful thing to do in life. And so as we go into this, I want us to think about it in two ways. To realize that what James is getting at here is something about the value of living in the here and now, but it also has a deeper and a second meaning, something else that's going on beyond it. Now, I've talked about this importance and the value of listening in terms of our personal relationships. And I think we can take what James says here and apply it to those sorts of situations. So we can look at it in terms of how we listen to other people, how we show care, and how we value them. And so if you've been around Fruitland Covenant Church for a while, I've talked about this often in the importance of listening and the three magic words that go around with listening. And those three magic words are, tell me more. So as you're listening to someone, as someone's telling you a story, you're not interrupting, but you're saying, tell me more. And it shows your value, your care for the person. It can be a helpful tool, a helpful way to enter into conversations, even for sharing the good news of Jesus as you listen to what people have to say. And I think in particular, as we think about this idea of listening, it can be a valuable lesson for us to hear in the troubled and difficult times we're living in. In this challenging time, as we're listening to people and as we're watching protests on TV, as we're seeing discussions on Facebook, as we're having conversations about these things, the value of listening. And so I want us to think about the value of listening and what James has to say here in the context of relations, in the context of what's going on in our country. But first, I want to tell a story to set this up. And as you listen to the story, you might think, what does this have to do with this? But we'll get into that in a minute. So the story takes place back when I was pastoring in Sheboygan, Michigan, up in northern Michigan. It was a Saturday night. I had gone back to the church to finish up a few things in preparation for Sunday morning. And it was fairly late. And I was pulling out of the church parking lot. And the church parking lot was said, the church sat on a highway, this two-lane highway. And I was waiting to pull out. And I saw a car coming by and the car passed. And I noticed it was a police car. And I pulled out. And as I pulled out onto the road, the police car pulled over. And I passed the police car and the police car proceeded to pull in right behind me and begin following me. And I wondered if I had done something wrong. And if you've ever had a police car behind you, maybe you're like me or maybe not. But you see a police car in your rearview mirror and all of a sudden you're paying attention to everything. And so I saw this police car following me and I thought, well, this is kind of strange. I made sure I stayed right at the speed limit. I drove very carefully. And the car, police car followed me for about two miles till we got into town, into much closer into town because the church sat a couple miles out of town. And right at about the moment we pulled into the outside of town, the lights went on behind me. The red lights started flashing and I pulled over. And the two state troopers in the police car got out and they asked me what I was doing and why I was at the church late at night. And I explained to them that I was the pastor and I had been there and so they told me they had simply pulled over because the church had been broken to, into a couple of years earlier, and so they thought it suspicious that someone was there late at night and just wanted to check in. And so I had this interaction with the police, and I kind of let it go, and though it was a little bit nerve-wracking, a little bit nervous, it was one of those things that happened. 
And I've thought about that story in the context of many of the stories that I heard then later from other people. Because see, I grew up around police officers. I grew up knowing many police officers and that wasn't the only time I've been pulled over. I've been pulled over for speeding before and once or twice for missing a stop sign and always had good and positive interactions with the police officers that I've encountered. And so then over the past few years, when there have been other incidents where people have been pulled over, particularly African-Americans, and there have been these bad interactions with the police, I have not been quick to listen. I've heard about the interactions that have happened and, and sometimes resulting in the death of the people involved. And my initial response was not to be quick to listen, but instead quick to speak and to begin to think that, well, maybe the problem was they did something wrong. Maybe they didn't respond right. Maybe something else was going on, that it wasn't a simple thing. I was not quick to listen, but I was quick to speak. But over the years, as particularly through the teachings, um, workshops I've attended as part of our denomination, as I've had more interactions with colleagues, with pastors, with other people, other African-Americans who've told me the stories, I've begun to see things differently. God has begun to work in me. And I don't claim to be there fully yet. But what I've begun to realize is that what I've experienced, I begin to understand or begin to see a different perspective that what I've experienced is not the same as what others have experienced. When I've gone to workshops and I've listened to professors and pastors and executives, when I talk to friends of mine and they've told me about their experiences and the encounters that they have had with the police and how those are so different from what I have encountered. And I've begun to wonder and begin to reevaluate and I've begun to see the importance of listening. Now, is there a time for conversations and, and questions about those things? Yes, there might be a time for conversation. James doesn't say to be quick to listen and never to speak, but instead slow to speak. So to think about the value of what it means to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so I want us to think about and wonder about what might it look like to be quick to listen as African-Americans, as our black brothers and sisters, as people of color, you whatever language we choose to use, as they talk about the experiences that they've had. As we hear stories of people like Eric Garner or Michael Bryant, or Tamir Rice, or Philando Castile, Breonna Taylor, or George Floyd, and how that affects people, and how they respond, and how I respond. Is my first response to question maybe the motives or the character, to wonder if, well, there must have been a reason, or, or maybe to pull up the things they've done in the past and say, see, they're really not such a good person. Or maybe to point out that not all cops are bad cops, and which is an absolutely a true statement. 
that the vast majority of police officers are good and, and long to serve and protect. But to say when people respond in pain and they talk about it, to not necessarily bring up the issues of black and black crime, but instead to be quick to listen. And so I would invite us to hear these words of James. And when we hear a black mother talk about her fear of letting her children play in the park or go jogging, that we listen. When we hear a black man talk about his fear of confronting a white woman because he knows who will be believed, that we listen. When we hear a young black man tell us what it's like to have his parents give him the talk, the talk about how to behave, about the importance of when you are pulled over, of shutting off your engine and rolling down the window and keeping your hands firmly planted on the steering wheel, of about going into stores and making sure your hands don't go in your pockets, that we listen. When we hear the stories of young black children talking about how their contributions are not valued in school, that we listen. Then when we hear a black woman talk about how she's been denied for a mortgage or a loan, and she wonders if maybe it's because of her race and not because of some other situation, that we listen. And so I would invite us to listen, to hear the pain, the struggles of what's been going on in people's lives, to be quick to listen to those things and to see where that might bring us. And I know this is a challenging topic and a difficult thing. And so I would invite us even to have conversations about that. Have conversations with your family. Have conversations with me if you want to reach out and talk more about it. Send me an email, give me a phone call, send me a text, and we can have some more conversations about what this looks like. But let's be quick to listen and slow to speak, particularly on topics of race and how we hear what other people have to say. But I want to change gears for a minute now. This has been a hard topic, but I want to change gears and suggest that James is saying something even more than that. He's talking about the value and the importance of listening to others and how that shows love and compassion for others. But he's also saying something deeper. So let's go back to our text here for a minute and see what's going on. And I think to see what's going on, we have to go back just a little bit before the passage we started. So we started today in verse 19. But if we go back to verse 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. So God is the giver of good gifts, and one of those gifts is His word that gave us birth, that gave us new life. He talks about new creation, so that we might be a kind of first fruits. And so the word has been given to us so that we can be the kind of people that God calls us to be. And then he goes right into this next thing. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. 
because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So we see this connection. God desires righteousness. God desires first fruits. God desires a certain kind of character in us. And if we are not quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger, but instead become angry quickly, that doesn't produce that kind of righteousness God desires. Then he goes on, verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So you see there's these connections between the word which gives new life and then the word which helps us live the kind of righteousness. So I think in part what James is getting at here as we begin to put those pieces together, the word has given us new birth. So be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger because anger doesn't produce the righteousness, that fruit that God desires. Instead, put off the moral filth by accepting the word implanted in you. I think in part what James is getting at here when he's talking about being quick to listen and slow to speak is the value of being quick to listen to what God has to say to us, particularly through His Word. And the value of hearing that instead of simply reading and saying, no, that's not for me, or getting angry when we read something in the Bible, but realizing what God has given to us is something that has value for us. And he goes on and he talks about that in the following passage. And he says, here's how we instead respond. What he says, he says, we humbly accept the word planted in us. We hear it in a posture of reception and growing. And then James uses in verses 22 through 24, this image of what it looks like to humbly receive the word. And more importantly, to do what is given to us. And so he's saying, when we receive God's Word, it's not enough to simply listen to it. And it is tempting to do one more Bible study, to go and hear one more sermon, to go and have one more Bible study and keep receiving and receiving. But James is saying, it's not enough to just hear all those things. We need to put them into practice. In other words, if we desire to go, God has given us a gift. Remember going back to that beginning thing I said about the importance of seeing the grace that's behind all this. God has given us a gift. God has given us the gift of His Word, and God is giving us the power to grow and to change and to become who He's calling us to be. And our participation, our cooperation with that is to not simply hear what God has to say, but to put it into practice. And even as James says this here, we hear echoes of the words that Jesus taught particularly in the Sermon on the Mount. And so as you read through the book of James, you may want to go back and reread the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapters 5 through 7, these words of Jesus. And here we hear James talk about the value of putting it into practice was what Jesus said. When he said, if you hear my words and don't put them into practice, it's like building a house on sand. James uses a different picture. He says, if we hear the word of God, but don't put it into practice, it's like looking in a mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. And so if we have to imagine back in, back in the time when James wrote that mirrors were not a common thing. Most of us have mirrors all around our house. We wake up in the morning and there's 
maybe a mirror in our bedroom. We go in the bathroom and there's a mirror there. We can use our phone and we can look and we can take pictures of ourselves. We can take selfies and we can see ourselves all the time. But in ancient times, there weren't mirrors everywhere. A mirror was a difficult thing. It was a bit of polished brass and the image was a little bit hazy and a little bit difficult to see. Or maybe you could look in a pool of clear water and see your reflection. But James is using this really kind of humorous picture to say, what would it be like to go and to look in the mirror and then forget what you looked like? As one writer put it, to be able to go and to look in the mirror and then a few minutes later not being able to pick yourself out of a lineup. Or more importantly, imagine looking in the mirror and seeing, as one pastor put it, the chocolate frosting all over your face from the cake you've eaten. You look, you see the frosting, and then you walk away from the mirror and don't do anything with it. Instead, you go and you get in your car and you go out shopping or go to your important interview with the chocolate frosting all over your face. You've looked in the mirror, but you've done nothing with it. And so what James is suggesting is here is when we come to the Bible, we come to hear, but not simply to hear, but to obey, to say, what is God saying to me and what is he calling me to do? And James talks a little bit about that in verses 26 and 27 about being religious. He talks about keeping a rein on your tongues and he goes into a whole section on that a little bit later. We'll be looking at that. And then he talks about the importance of caring for the oppressed, caring for those who are on the margins. Here he taught the orphans and the widows, but also about keeping yourself being pure from the pollutants of the world. And so what James is getting at is the importance of hearing God's word and then putting it into practice, of hearing what God has to say in what James refers to as the perfect law that gives freedom. To hear God has given us the gift of what it looks like to live a life that's pleasing to Him. God has given us new life, and then God has given us the words and the power to live a life that is pleasing to Him. And so our call, our response, is to be quick to listen and slow to speak, So when God says something, when you're reading in Scripture and you hear something, that we're eager to listen and then to put it into practice, but not to say, oh, no, 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 that's not me. Because maybe you're like me. That sometimes you're reading the Scripture. You're reading the Bible. You sit down and you see something. And you feel that something inside you. In Christianese, we call that conviction. That sense of the Spirit saying, I'm saying something to you right now. And James does that to us a lot. We hear those things and we feel something inside us. And what James is getting at here is, one response might be, like, no, that's not me. And it's respond in anger and to push it away, to not be quick to listen. And what James is saying is that response doesn't produce the kind of righteousness that God desires. But what does produce it? To put it into practice, to hear those words. So to hear the words of Jesus when he says, blessed are the poor, 
to hear the words of Jesus when it says, love your neighbor as yourself, to hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice is what James is saying. That produces life. In other words, to say, we have been called to life, that we have been given new life, so then why would we keep on sinning, which leads to death? It's a call to live a righteous life, to be quick to listen to what God has to say. So as you read your Bible, be quick to listen, to hear what it, and then be eager to put it practice, to help, ask God, and this is the important part, to ask God to help you to put it into practice, to say, God, show me a true reflection of myself. And so maybe as you begin reading your Bible, you're saying, God, you're praying, God, help me to see myself. Help me to hear what you have to say to me. Let your word be a true mirror in my life. Not that hazy, polished bronze where I don't really see myself, but let it be a mirror in which I see myself for who I truly am. And then who you are calling me to be. God, help me see myself in the mirror for whom you are calling me to be and then help me to be that person. But I think James is also saying something else. When he talks about this idea here where he talks about it as the perfect law that gives freedom. Because there's a temptation to read the Bible and simply to allow it to show us all our faults. We do that with regular mirrors sometimes too, don't we? We look in the mirror and all we see are all the things we don't like about ourselves, all the faults. And what I think God wants us to see is that the Bible, His Word, His written Word to us is also something that shows us more than that who we are, the true value and the nature of who we are. And who are we? We're someone who's been given birth. We're someone who is a recipient of the gifts of God. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of the heavenly lights. He chose to give us birth. In other words, when we hear the words, this perfect law of freedom, when we hear this, we should also hear the words and be quick to listen to the words which tell us that we are deeply and truly loved. And you've heard me say this before and maybe you think he talks about this all the time. And I talk about it all the time because it is so absolutely important. It's so easy to fall into seeing our own faults, to seeing our failures, to feeling like we are not valued. But when we hear God's word, when we hear that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, when we hear the words that Jesus gave to us, when we hear stories that say, God is like a shepherd who loses one sheep and he passionately looks for us and we realize we are that lost sheep, that we are the son who wandered off and comes back and God the Father comes running and embraces us and puts a new robe on us and throws a party for us. The scriptures are also words that while they show us the areas we need to work on, that call us to live into that life of righteousness, these are words of life that also say you are deeply and truly loved by God. 
And so let us be quick to listen to those words, to hear those words and not to push them off and say, no, 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 but you don't know who I am. God knows exactly who you are. To receive those words as a gift, to hear those words, to know yourself as loved by God, to know that you are deeply and truly loved. May you hear the words that God has said to you. May you see yourself as God sees you, as one who is deeply and truly loved. May you look in the mirror of God's word and know his love for you. Amen.